everybody. <laughs> My own show caught me by surprise. Come on in, folks. Come on in. Make yourselves comfortable. Uh, we got a, should be a pretty quick show today. Just a couple of uh, things in the news I wanted to cover uh, quickly. Let's make sure everything is streaming the way it's supposed to be streaming. And let's see. YouTube is good. Rumble is good. Law of Self-Defense member dashboard is good and i see folks are filtering in and twitter is also streaming so those are the four platforms we're typically on folks youtube rumble twitter and our of course our law of self-defense website for those who don't know i am attorney andrew branca for law of self-defense thank you thank you very much thank you for joining me here where we cover use the force events in the news court cases court decisions and so forth i'm an attorney who for more than 30 years has focused his legal expertise exclusively on use of force law. So that means defense of yourself, defense of others, defense of property. Um, if you'd like to ask questions during this live stream, I'm happy to answer them. Just keep in mind, as always, that if you're asking them in the YouTube chat, they need to be a $5 minimum super chat. If you'd like your comment or question addressed or answered, if you're on Rumble, same paradigm, Rumble rant, $5 or less, or be a Law of Self-Defense member and get all your questions answered for free. And Law of Self-Defense membership is less than $10 a month, folks, about 30 cents a day. So instead of paying five bucks a question, you might just pay 30 cents a day and get all your questions answered at no additional cost. You can become a member right now. Open up another tab on your browser, lawofselfdefense.com slash join for less than 10 bucks a month, lawofselfdefense.com slash join. So come on in, come on in. Um, the, uh, let's see, couple couple of housekeeping things to take care of. One is our upcoming Law of Self-Defense Advanced class is less than two weeks away now, Saturday, April 15th. This is our full day course in which we teach you how to be hard to convict how to be an unattractive target for prosecution if you're ever compelled to defend yourself against criminal predation in defense of yourself, your family, your property. We only have one of these scheduled for this year, folks, and it's happening Saturday, April 15th. When will you need this knowledge? Do you get to pick or does your attacker get to pick? So I would urge you to take advantage of this. And I think I think we still haven't updated the page, so the March discount is still available. And by the way, folks, it's up to 50% off. Uh, if you get the larger package of stuff that we offer here, 10% off just the standard basic ticket to attend the class. The class is taught live by me. It's streamed to you at your computer, Pen plenty of opportunity for Q&A. And by the way, folks, even if you have another commitment Saturday, April 15th, I would still encourage you to register because all registered students will also get access to the playback version of the class. So you can catch up on it at your convenience. If you're not available on Saturday, April 15th, you can learn more about the class and register at lawofselfdefense.com slash advanced lawofselfdefense.com slash advanced. And I also want to mention that the law cards I've been talking about are a go. So this is a series of baseball like cards that have been put together by uh, farmhand Tom uh, of all your favorite law tubers, including myself, uh, they're very, very funny. They have a whole series that are just Branca Burns, for those of you who find those amusing. Uh, but all your favorite law tubers are well represented. They, uh, they had started this with a Kickstarter to see if there was a sufficient interest uh, to go ahead with actual production of these cards. And there was. Uh, the, uh, the Kickstarter more than met its goal, several thousands of dollars. 
So this is definitely a go. You can start placing your orders right now today. Um, and the preferred place to do that is at lawofselfdefense.com slash law cards. That'll redirect you to where you need to go to purchase the cards. It's a gag gift, folks, so certainly don't feel obliged. Uh, but I found them to be pretty funny, and I think a lot of you might enjoy them as well. And finally, finally, I would uh, ask that you, um, if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, hit the subscribe button. You need to subscribe, e even a comment on YouTube, and do the equivalent on Rumble. Uh, hit the like, thumbs up. That, I believe, is the most important um, consideration for YouTube to help share our content more broadly. Do the same thing on Rumble. Uh, and leave a comment. Even if the comment is just your city and state, that also helps fool the algorithm. So much appreciated. And of course, anytime you see our content on um, on Twitter, uh, which is where I spend most of my social media time, I'm, I'm only very rarely personally on Facebook, folks. And uh, um, other than live streams, Twitter is where you'll generally find me. Feel free to retweet and follow me on Twitter. We've got a nice large group going on there. And of course, we'd always like to make things bigger. The more people we can reach, the more people we can help. All right, so let's dive into the first story I wanted to cover today. And that is, whoops, that is the story of the New York City garage worker. So a garage worker in New York City this past weekend, um, he, he stays present in this garage. This is a, I mean, I grew up in New York City, so I, but I sh shouldn't assume that everybody knows. It's one of these like structural garages where you drive your car in and there's multiple levels of parking and uh, you know, you get a ticket when you go in there and you pay your ticket when you come out, that kind of thing. Um, of course, very common in New York City. There's very few open, flat parking lots in New York City. They just don't have the space for it. So you have one of these garage-type parking arrangements, and there's a worker inside. Part of the, the job of the worker is to keep an eye on things. In particular, make sure that vehicles and property from vehicles is not being stolen. And this garage worker observed somebody acting very much like a thief like a vehicle burglar uh, going from car to car on an, one of the upper floors of this garage, peering into windows, presumably to see if there was anything worth stealing. And he confronted this thief. The garage worker confronted the apparent thief and the thief responded by pulling a gun and shooting the garage worker. Well, the garage worker didn't like that a bit. So he advanced on the thief and struggled for control of the thief's gun, got control of the thief's gun, and shot the thief. Well, now we have two shot people. As you might imagine, they both ended up in the hospital. Uh, the thief, of course, was charged with uh, essentially attempted murder, illegal possession of a, a gun, because in New York City, every gun is in someone's illegal possession, pretty much. Uh, there's very little legal possession um, of uh, particularly handguns in New York City, which seems reasonable. Uh, what seemed less reasonable was the garage worker was also charged with attempted murder and illegal possession of a gun. And of course, the, our natural instinct is to say, well, that's outrageous. The garage worker was just defending himself. How could he possibly be charged? Now, a complicating factor here is that the district attorney who did the charging here is Bragg. Bragg. Um, what the heck is Bragg's first name? I forget. Alvin. Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg is perhaps best known at the moment as the um, the prosecutor who's concocted these ridiculous charges against Donald Trump. Uh, got a grand jury to indict Donald Trump on 
<laughs> again, ridiculous charges. Of course, a grand jury will do whatever the prosecutor wants because the grand jury, any grand jury, really only hears the prosecutor's side of the story. Um, so that's what Alvin Bragg is, is most known for, this, this political assassination attempt on arguably one of one, the or one of the uh, two front runners for the GOP nomination for president coming up of the opposing party of Alvin Bragg, of course. Uh, so uh, Alvin Bragg has also had some other contentious prosecutorial decisions he's made in arguably uh, apparent places of self-defense in New York City. So his the stench of Alvin Bragg is, of course, all over this. But but I don't want to focus on Alvin Bragg because this could have happened anywhere. Um, and the real question, of course, if we're doing a legal analysis, if we're evaluating the legal merits of this defensive use of force, Oh, no. Okay. I'm only doing one story. I'm just going to do this story. Um, is whether or not the facts support or don't support a narrative of self-defense in this case. And we can tell from the news reports. This is going to be a very short show, folks, because I was just reminded I have an appointment I have to go to. Um, but the question is, when the garage worker fired fires the shot into the thief, is the thief presenting as a reasonably apparent threat, imminent threat of unlawful deadly force harm that cannot otherwise be avoided because New York is a duty to retreat state. And the facts as reported in the news uh, are inadequate to give us an informed opinion on that. They just aren't because it's possible, consistent with what we learned in the news, that the facts might support an argument of self-defense for the garage worker or might not support an argument of self-defense for the garage worker. Now, what's a scenario in which the facts, if we knew all the facts, more comprehensive understanding of the facts could support a claim of self-defense by the garage worker? Well, the garage worker and the thief are struggling in the moment over the gun. Those are two people who are both arming themselves with guns. In fact, it's worse because whoever gets control of the gun is simultaneously arguing, uh, simultaneously disarming the other party. So we have an unlawful aggressor here. The thief shot the garage worker. The garage worker is now struggling for the control of the gun. That's an act of self-defense. And if the garage worker gets control of the gun, which appears to be the case, and the thief is now struggling, still struggling, to re regain control of the gun, well, then the thief is just arming himself with a gun. And the appropriate response would be to shoot him off the gun. So if that's what happened, if they were fighting over control of the gun in the moment that the garage worker shot the thief, would seem a clear case of self-defense because the garage worker has a clear narrative that he was, in fact, facing an imminent, unlawful act of deadly force, threat of deadly force, that was otherwise unavoidable. You can't outrun a bullet if the thief gets control of the gun again. Um, so sound self-defense, if that's the case. But, but, hypothetically, there could be different facts. There could be facts where the garage worker got control of the handgun. And the thief gave up. The thief put his hands up, got on his knees, and said, please, please, don't shoot me. I know I've shot you twice, but I'm asking you for the favor. I'm begging you, don't shoot me. I give up. And the garage worker just shoots him in the chest. Is that self-defense? Wouldn't look like it. 
At that moment, with the thief on his knees and his hands raised up, is he then presenting an imminent threat of unlawful deadly force to the garage worker? No. So based on the news reports that came out this weekend, did, did we have any such details on the specific facts of the circumstances? And remember, folks, small changes in facts make big differences in legal outcome. So this could have been a lawful shooting by the garage worker, or it could have been an unlawful shooting. We just don't know. And a purely emotional response to a superficial narrative of the facts often is not enough to allow us to make an informed opinion about whether a use of defensive force was lawful or not. And I know many people will say, well, he's just a thief. And if he didn't want to get shot, he shouldn't have been a thief. And we should just be able to shoot thieves, even if they've surrendered. But that's not the world we live in. Not, not in America, certainly not in New York City. Now, of course, it was I saw in the news this morning that, in fact, the charges against a garage worker have been dismissed. So it would appear that more prudent heads have taken a more comprehensive look at the facts and determined, well, the facts as we now know them to be uh, conclusively or as conclusively as we can get them, um, given that our burden at a trial would be proof beyond a reasonable doubt, is, is that the garage worker was facing a reasonably perceived imminent threat of unlawful deadly force at the time he shot the thief. That's self-defense. So the garage worker is not going to be charged. But are there hypothetical facts in which a murder charge, attempted murder charge against a garage worker would have been appropriate, even though the person he was shooting was a thief who just shot him? Yes, because you don't get to shoot someone just because they shot you already. Believe it or not, they still have to be presenting in the moment that you fire your shot as a reasonably perceived eminent threat of deadly unlawful force. Uh, by the way, uh, so in addition to the attempted murder charge, which of course is the use of force charge here against the garage worker now dismissed, there was also a gun charge brought against the garage worker because he didn't have whatever licenses, permissions uh, from uh, the Lord uh, New York, New York city uh, to be in possession of a gun. So they charged him with unlawful possession of a gun as well. Um, what would be the legal defense there? Because that's just a possession crime. So that's easy to prove in court. Uh, you're not allowed to be in possession of an item, contraband, drugs, guns, whatever. They show, you know, they show you, uh, they show incontrovertibly. You concede I was in possession of that. That's a possession crime, easy conviction. But there is, of course, a legal defense that could be raised to the gun charge as well. And that wouldn't be self-defense. Self-defense is a, is a justification for a use of force, not for possession of a gun. Um, the argument would, in effect, be the necessity defense, that you were in possession of the gun transiently because it was necessary in the moment to defend yourself against a larger threat, a larger wrong than gun possession, and that is your death. Uh, that would be different if the garage worker had been just routinely carrying a gun unlawfully about the garage. That would simply be an unlawful gun possession under New York law, which, of course, is ridiculous. Second Amendment absolutist here. But uh, charging him with unlawful possession in the context of he took the gun from the person shooting him and used it to defend himself is strictly a necessity defense argument and a very, very sound one as well. All right, folks. 15-minute show. That's not common for me, but um, perhaps I'll come back this afternoon and finish the other half. Sorry about that. Lost control of my calendar. I have someplace I have to go. Uh, let me take a quick look to see if there are any Super Chats that need to be addressed since I solicited all of that. Yeah, I feel bad, folks. 15-minute show, but five of it was uh, 
promotional stuff. I'll make it up to you next time. It does not look like it's... Uh, yeah, too quick a show for questions to come in. All right, folks, I'll catch you. If not this afternoon, I'll certainly catch you tomorrow. Um, remember, if you carry a gun, so you're hard to kill. Um, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill. My family is hard to kill. And you also owe it to yourself and your family to make sure you know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain attorney Andrew Branca for, for the law of self-defense. Stay safe. 